0: Share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now, here's your host, Julian Blinn.
1: So, today we have the honor to interview Andrew Hebert, investment principal at Techstar. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you, Julian. It's a, it's a pleasure to, to be on. Great. So Uh, What I want to talk to you about today was first talk about your background, uh, and then we'll talk about Techstar, your accelerator program in sports, and then we'll talk about the areas of investments that your group is focusing on. And then lastly, we'll talk about your advice for any entrepreneurs looking to raise money, but also anyone interested in starting a career in sports investments. So how does it sound? That sounds great. Great. So, uh, you know, for the audience, um, could you tell us about your background? Sure. Yeah, happy to. Uh,
2: I uh, grew up in outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, My my whole life has really revolved around sports. You know, my my father was uh, a coach. He coached basketball, baseball, football. Currently, coaches tennis. He's in his eighties. In about nine different hall of fames. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, you know, sports was always sort of a, a common. Thread uh, in my life as a kid. I I grew up playing a lot of basketball. Uh, played in high school. Uh, was fortunate enough to be able to play in college at a small school yeah. up in Maine, uh, Bowdoin College, where I was captain of the basketball team. Um, after college, I, I sort of bounced around a little bit. Got into coaching. A coach at the high school level. Uh, coached yeah. at the collegiate level at Babson College. Spent some time coaching at Catholic University in uh, in Washington D.C. Uh, also, spent some time working in professional sports. Uh, worked yeah. uh, for a stint with uh, the Orlando Magic, uh, coming out of grad school, where I, I earned my MBA and Masters in Sports Business Management. Um, and then spent time working with Monumental Sports Entertainment, so the holding company that owns the Washington Wizards and Washington Capitals, oh, yeah. and multiple uh, multiple uh, of, of, of other properties as well. Uh, so I think it's a second actually one of my friend.
1: Uh, uh, his name is Mark Simpson he works for that group uh, he's a perform- head of performance for uh, i mean the the Washington Wizards and then the other the WNBA team and w, uh, the the G League team as well
2: yeah so. yeah for sure yeah i actually used to i used to practice with the Washington Mystics uh, back when i could move <laughs> so well, those <laughs> days are those days are behind me now um, but uh you know in, in between my my stints in college and and professional sports i had a chance to work for a startup and yeah. uh, I kind of sort of fell in love with the environment of working with entrepreneurs and being involved with entrepreneurs, building companies, iterating on product. Um, and I, you know, I had two of my my best friends from childhood that were both successful entrepreneurs, and so I'd always talk to them about their yeah. businesses and what they were building and the different challenges that they were facing uh, just and how generally how exciting it was. Um, and they were both building companies in in the sports technology category. so you know when I had the chance to to leave um, college sports uh, to to spin up this uh, TechStars Sports Accelerator in Indianapolis, it, it felt like a, a no brainer for me. It sort of combined the experience and knowledge that I had, sort of on the other end of the table, working for professional teams, working um, for you know in college athletics as a player, as a coach, just trying to offer that perspective to. The next generation of entrepreneurs that we're building products yep. and services that we're trying to sell into those particular teams and leagues um, and so yeah that's uh it's 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 been a lot of fun for me i really enjoy it i get to work with uh with one of my best friends who's also my business partner uh jordan Flegel, who we also played yep. basketball together in college we go back 20 plus years um so we uh you know we we love what we do and we love supporting and helping entrepreneurs
1: that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, Techstar is a, it, one of the biggest names as far as sports accelerators. I think it's, we, you guys were one of the first uh, accelerator program in sports. I mean, it's been, and then after that, there's been a lot of smaller ones. But can you tell me uh, about your role at Techstar? Maybe explain for those who don't know, because there might be some people out there who still don't know what Techstar is and what your accelerator program is all about.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, t- Techstars is, um,
2: it's this, Sort of worldwide network that helps early stage entrepreneurs grow and scale their businesses, and they sort of do it through a, a three major um, buckets. It's it's through yeah. its network. Techstars has this global network. There's over fifty accelerators worldwide. We're in thirty five cities, fourteen different countries, and, and growing and growing exponentially yeah. um, across a variety of verticals. Also, you know, we do obviously we have a sports program. Uh, we have a program in uh longevity we have a music accelerator we have a farmer oh. fork program yeah, we have a web three program so we're really kind of covering all the all the different bases in, in technology uh, so you know we have a global network uh capital you know we're investors so we invest capital in each, each of the companies that uh that go through our accelerator but i think most the most important sort of value proposition for us is we're we're essentially an extension of, of the co-founding team on the cap table because we provide a lot of coaching and, and strategy yeah. and advice and guidance throughout the 13 week accelerator um, yeah. you know, so our our partnership with uh you know in, in indianapolis with the, the sports cohort you know tech stars had never invested in a dedicated sports program they had great companies that have gone through uh other tech stars accelerators whether it's in la or new york or chicago or boston Yep. That might have been building in a in a sports or entertainment or fitness related category, but never really had a a dedicated program focused on that. So, you know, our partnership group came together in 2019 And Indianapolis. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Indianapolis, it's an incredible sports town. It's it's arguably one of the best sports towns in, in the U.S. Uh, you have it's the home of of basketball. Uh, if anyone's seen the movie Hoosiers, <laughs> and the yep. Indiana Pacers. Uh, it's, it's the home of, of, uh, uh, collegiate athletics with the NCAA being headquartered there, uh, which governs all division one, two, and three sports here in in the U S all amateur sports. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's the home of sports tourism. Uh, it's, I think there's this, there's a statistic that you can get to like 60% of the country's population within a four or five hour drive just from where Indiana is strategically located. So, you know, for the for the purpose of hosting tournaments uh amateur tournaments for, across a variety of different types of sports it's 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 got a great uh it's very centrally located uh, Indianapolis yeah. Colts are there the NFL it's a great yeah. racing town uh, it's for you know for for people who have never been to an Indy car race uh highly recommend attending the Indy 500 it's the largest spectator event in North America they get over 300,000 people um, so Indianapolis had uh, this uh, incredible sports DNA um, you know but they're trying to figure out a way to how do you know how do we take this this sports data that we have and plant a flag in the ground and become home for sports technology because you know? they were understanding that there's this growing space for for early stage tech and entrepreneurs that were building companies that were very you know very uh, very relatable for you know player development ticketing fan engagement, all the things that, you know, NBA, NFL teams, Major League Baseball teams are looking to innovate in these different areas. And so uh, the group came yeah. together in participation with the state of Indiana, which is very unique yeah. because you look at some of these larger markets, you know, uh, New York or Los Angeles or Boston. And, um I would say it would be very hard for you know a private entities and, and a public entity to come together and work collaboratively but Indiana has has really demonstrated that to at so so fast forward they, you know we, we came in in 2019 launched the first accelerator we brought in ten companies um, and where we are today we've we've done four programs we have over 43 companies in our portfolio yeah. um, we're moving into our fifth program and we all, we're also launching or we're in the process of launching. We're actually almost at our our demo day here for for New York City. We are running the TechStars New York City Accelerator. The, uh, myself and Jordan and our partner Elliot as well. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So so you know TechStars, I think just a quick summary: it's a 13 week accelerator, three month program, sort of a different theme for each month. So you know we get companies that are are early on. They have a product that's in market. They have some customers that are paying. Uh, but they 're really figuring out how do how does this thing get big? How do I scale this? How do I raise money? Yep. A lot of our founders haven 't raised institutional capital it's it 's maybe been some friends and family, some angel investors, and so really teaching them the 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 proper process, the fundraise, uh, exposing them to our network of v c s and and syndicates and investors and angels I think it's one of the the biggest value props so you know we get early on in the program we just think we we get them in front of as many people as 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 we can. Uh, and they practice their elevator pitch, and they get feedback on their product. They get feedback on their go-to-market strategy. Feedback on how they're acquiring customers, and that kind of segues nicely into our second month, which is really just about executing. And you know, we 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 run about thirty different workshops uh, on SEO marketing and financial modeling, and you know, yeah. hiring a technical team and. Um you know understanding cap table term sheet negotiation and 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 so that's really the focus of the second month. and then kind of weaves itself nicely into the third month, which is just all about getting ready for for our pitch day, which is demo day which is where we put our founders on stage and uh yep. you know they pitch in front of three hundred investors so and that really that for 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 most intensive purposes that kicks off their their institutional fundraising process uh is 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 demo day so yeah and when's the next uh the next, I guess, demo day for you guys. Well, so our, our New York City demo day uh, is February 10th. So yeah. uh, shameless plug for anyone who's in New York City that wants to, yeah. wants to attend demo day. We're, we're hosting it over at Google's uh, Pier 57, which is a stunning location. Um, and then our, our sports program in Indianapolis uh, will will launch in uh, in June, early June. and We'll have our demo day uh, in late August, early September
1: okay that's great um well maybe if i have time i'll, I'll attend the one in february but that sounds like a cool event It's at yeah. google, right so um i actually worked a little bit at google and back in mountain view so it's a it's a great company um Very so nice. can you tell us about what areas of investments that you guys are focusing on uh when it comes to sports are you focusing on performance technology companies you talked about you know web 3.0 nft uh, are you focusing on more like e-commerce. I mean, what and and why are you guys focusing on those areas? Yeah, we you know, Julian, we look at everything. Uh, I know that's sort of a, a canned
2: response, but you know, we we're sort of call it somewhat category agnostic when it comes to sports technology, uh, and we we over-indexed on a few categories, which I'll I'll, I'll touch on. But yeah, um, yeah, you know, we've uh, we've had a lot of success. I think over the the last uh, four programs, uh, looking at you know companies building businesses and services and products and ticketing. Uh, you know, we have, we have two very, very good ticketing companies that I've gone through our program, one based in Nashville called project admission, another one, uh, based in LA called season share, fractionalizing Mm -hmm. the ticketing space, both really, really strong founding teams, both, uh, you know, doing six figures in revenue. Um, fan engagement is always a really interesting space for us. Um, you know, we're, we're constantly looking at how, you know, how the experience of, of how fans are consuming sports, both in the arena and outside the arena, are evolving. Um, you know, we've, we've looked at, at companies uh, that are, are playing around in sort of this data analytics space. That's a big, you know, there's this this sort of proliferation of, of data now and how teams, leagues, players, coaches are synthesizing that data. Um, you know, we have a, a, a terrific company based in Edinburgh, Scotland, player data sort of Mm -hmm. competitor stats, catapults, uh, it's GPS tracking device that they're, they're just absolutely killing it right now in Europe and and coming to the U S as well. Um, you know, uh, connected fitness has been in, uh, you know, a a category that we've, we've really looked at and, and made a lot of investments in. Um, it's it's interesting. I would say, you know, given the sort of, uh, the meltdown of of Peloton, it's, uh, it's taken a a little bit of a hit, uh, (laughs) You know, and I think with you know with uh, with gyms, big box gyms sort of opening up, uh, reopening, and uh, it, it's you know there's still a market for at home connected fitness, and and some of our our the best companies in our portfolio are are,
1: are doing quite well. Erga. Uh, Which one did you guys the best in connected fitness? Which ones? Yeah, yeah so we've
2: got a yeah, we've had a few. Julian, so Ergata, um, out of our 2019 cohort, uh, Tom and his team sort of building a. Uh, an at-home connected uh, rower, so uh, thinking yeah. sort of peloton but for rowing. But it's interesting because it's not instructor-based; it's more gamified. Um, yeah. They had an exclusive partnership with Water Rower. so they just focused on building out the software. Really, really strong founding team. Um, I think their team's up to about forty or fifty people now. You know, they raised a uh, they raised an A round. Uh, AVP I think led their A round. You know, they raised thirty million bucks. Company's doing really, really well. Yeah, uh, based right here in New York City. Um, you know, but we've sort of looked at at other industries, I think other um, you know I call, call it categories that maybe overlooked, for example, Pilates. You know there was really yeah. not a solution for Pilates at home connected solution for Pilates, and uh, kind of sort of uh, talks about how we look at founders as well, and I'll t- touch on that in a minute but uh, also, but you know we had a company out of Sacramento, California um, who uh, the founder and CEO didn't have a lot of entrepreneurial experience, but she was the perfect person to build this particular business. She was a supplies instructor. She was a mechanical engineer. Yeah. And we really felt like that was an overlooked space. And yeah. uh, she's done beautifully. I mean, she's put together a really strong team, raised the seed round uh, from Advantage and is looking, gearing up to raise a, a series A round now. Um, yeah. You know, we we have a, we have a company that's doing really, really well out of, of Auburn, Alabama of, of, of all places uh, called Tennybot. Yeah. It's a, uh, robotics um, autonomous robot that flies around the tennis court and picks up tennis oh, balls. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. i heard of that. Yep, I've heard of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Hytham and, and his partner, Lincoln, are, are, are terrific. And so uh, those guys also raised a successful seed round, gearing up for their Series A right now. Um, and And so, you know, it just... Connected fitness has been a uh, your grind, which is another one uh, based in Houston, uh, which is a portable shooting machine. So if you're shooting a basketball, it's it's it catches the the, the rebound for you and sh- spits it back to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just kind of looking at different spaces on how technology is, is impacted sort of connecting the connecting fitness uh, space. But you know, it's uh. Well, we've also looked at companies in East, but we've had a we've had an esports franchise, a uh, Beast Coast, based here in in New York City, a tier two franchise that's uh, mm-hmm. competing in a variety of different esports games. They're actually moving their their HQ to Indianapolis, which is exciting. Indianapolis is becoming really, yeah. really a yeah really a hub for for esports. And Butler University uh, has has built a, a a really beautiful esports center that uh, Beast Coast will be participating out of. So. Um, you know digital collectibles has has been an interesting space for us I, I think it's you know it, the sort of web 3 crypto market has taken quite a quite a hit recently but we have made yeah. a few investments there some of our companies are are, are pivoting now um, you know we have a really interesting company in in Ireland that is uh, sort of uh, building a, a fractional investment space for a competitive Irish horse racing um, where okay. you can own a, a fraction or percentage in an irish uh, a uh, uh, thoroughbred, so uh, sort of this fractionalized ownership space is, is really interesting
1: to us. So yeah, that's we're looking at a lot of different <laughs> different categories. As, as yes, yeah, see. different areas. Yeah, so you know, just focusing on one area in particular, but it seems to be uh, your portfolio seems to be pretty diverse. Yeah, what I can yeah. hear. Um, sure. So, and my, I guess my next question is, when you're looking to invest in those companies, and you kind of touched on that. You mentioned the company uh, where the the, the 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 founder had experience in. She was a Pilates instructor. So, what are you looking when you are investing in startups? Is it about the, um, uh, you know, the entrepreneur? Uh, is it about the the technology that they have, the go to market strategy, um, the market that they're in? I mean, what are you guys? What's important to you guys?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think the the most important thing to us, Julian, is is really founder market fit. We, we we use this 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 terminology, this phrase. It's it's looking at the founder. I've never heard of that
1: term. I
2: heard of market uh, yeah. fit. but never found in market fit. So yeah, yeah, I'll talk a little bit about about what I mean by that. You know, it, it's it's sort of is this. It, it, uh, I used Kayleen and Pala, uh, uh Flexia in you know building her company in the Pilates space is a perfect example because you know, she was the perfect person to build that business. You know, if, if we asked her to build a ticketing business or some something in fan engagement or you know some sort of uh, analytics, company, you know, probably not the best fit, but. So when we say founder market fit, we say, you know, what unique insight uh, or, or particular set of experiences does, does this founder CEO have that provides them or gives them a, an overwhelming advantage to build I in see. this particular space? And so um, that's that's one of the biggest qualities that what we look for is, is the background of the found the founding team also, because, you know, it's, it's really hard to build a business. It's hard to build a company it's, and it's even harder to do it by yourself. Yes. Um, so one of the things we really look for uh, and and spend a lot of time analyzing during our our diligence and sourcing process with companies is is who's the founding team, what's the background of the founding team, how do they operate, how do they work together, how do they divide and conquer? Is there someone that can sell? Is there someone that can build? Yeah, because a lot of times you have a couple of co-founders and we're both biz dev guys, we're both kind of selling and you know product, but there's no one that's actually building the technology,
1: you know, yeah. or you
2: have a couple of engineers uh, that are, are you know, really good on product, really good on tech stack, but they can't sell. That's uh, right. And so, trying to find the right balance in a founding team, I think, is is really really important for us. Uh, coachability is is also uh, integral, I think, for us. You know, we we spend a lot of time with founders, both in program and post program, on really trying to uh, teach them how to run a process, teach them how to hire, teach them how to think about running their their KPIs or their their OKRs or uh, really teaching them how to become CEOs. Because in a lot of ways, we want them to run their business of three or four people as if they were running Microsoft or as if they were running Amazon, really teaching you how to become a CEO. Uh, That's a really important, I think, value proposition that that our CEOs get throughout the program. So uh, that's, I think, first and foremost, the number one thing we look for, I mean, of of course, looking at the market, looking at the category, looking at the space, um, that's, that's very important. You know, is this, is, is, is this an addressable market that is big enough? Is, is, is the problem that you're solving a real problem, you know, and what, what is the solution and what's the unique uh, competitive advantage that your solution has? Um, Those are things that we're looking for, but, most most important i think it's it's about at this stage you know because you know when when you're raising your your seed round it's really all about storytelling it's all about yeah. the strength of the founding team it's it's about the pitch deck you know financial model your assumptions make sense um i think when you get to you know series a and b and, and further it's it's really just about unit economics and scalable channels but uh but up until then it's it's really in our opinion i think it's about the, the strength of the
1: founding team so. yeah no, anyway, i think that's a great point um and also the coachability. I mean, you, you, sometimes you've got some entrepreneurs that are, just don't want to listen. They're not good listeners. Yeah. Um, and that's got that's gonna be a problem down the road, right? So
2: of course, of course. Uh, and they're I, getting they're getting so much feedback too, Julian. In the, the program, you know, we have this term we say mentor whiplash. You know, because you have three weeks of, you know, ten calls a day, quick twenty minute calls, all yeah. you know, it, all this constructive criticism, and and so you know, at, at the end of the day, it's it's you know, it's okay. How do I take all this information, digest it? Figure out what's important, what's not important. Yes, uh, because because we remind them, you know, at, at the end of the day, you are the CEO. You're the one that needs to make the decision which is best for your company. You know your business better than us. Right? Yeah, you know, we we have a, a set way we like to to run our process and and how we build an investor spreadsheet, how we separate your leads from your followers, how you talk about valuation. But at the end of the day, it's it has to be comfortable for you, and yeah. if it's not authentic to you as the founder. That's going to come across when you're talking to investors.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, but thank you for that. So another quick question is, you know, I, I guess given the the microeconomic environment, I mean, I even heard like again this morning, I think Google planned to lay off like ten thousand, I think, employees, and Microsoft did, and Amazon did. Um, yeah, and I remember oh, talking to some VCs, yeah, yeah. you know, a few months ago, and it's a tough micro environment, but there's still some uh, what they call I think institutional money out there so what advice would you give to any startups looking to raise money right now
2: yeah yeah it's uh yeah i just i, I saw it the other day too i think microsoft laid off a 10 10 000 workers yeah yeah it's um it's hard it, it's hard first of all it's it's you know even in a in a good market it's 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 hard to raise money yeah. uh fund, fundraising is you know, we we tell our founders, you know, it's if you don't like fundraising, you, you shouldn't be the CEO because you're you're always fundraising. There you three things that yeah. you need to do as a CEO. You can't outsource. It's it's raising money, it's hiring, and it's setting the strategic vision for the company. Like those are the three things that you cannot outsource as the CEO. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you know advice for for fundraising now. I, I would really say you know I, we've had some companies in our New York program that are, have closed some you know, some, some sort of bridge rounds, million, million and a half bucks here in programming. And, and I think the the real focus now is, is is you know, building product and listening to customers, I think is, is so important. Uh, you know, ca- cash is oxygen. It, it becomes, it's so hard, especially due to some, some changes in Apple privacy. Life. It's hard, it's really expensive to acquire customers now. You know, so yeah. really listening to what your customers are saying, focusing on, on building out good product you know, focusing on the, the what's the user experience look like. Um you know, I think really being really being cash efficient. Uh I, I think for you know for those those founders that are looking to hire, um don't be selfish on equity. You know, there's there's a lot of really good uh I think I would say it's a great hiring market right now to tech right. no, yeah. I mean, layoffs. No. <laughs> you know, so I think um you know, I, I think it's uh you know. In a lot of our companies, they don't they don't necessarily have the cash to you know to pay uh, uh, the expensive salaries, but you know don't be selfish on the equity. Um, yeah. And and I think making sure that you know you're really getting the right investors in in your on your cap table. We've seen so many so many times where founders will. <clears throat> we'll bring the wrong people in and they'll they'll just want to take the first check that's thrown at them because, Hey, it's money. And I need money. I needed to, 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 you know, to build product. and I need to hire and to scale. Um, but I would, I would almost put the onus on the founder. You know, when, when you're having conversations with investors, you're diligent, you're diligent, diligencing them as much as they are diligencing you, you know, and and that's, that's a really important piece. And, you know, we, we tell our, our uh, founders when they're going into these, Calls of investors, it's it's really important to get a sense of okay, what's your check size? What's your thesis? What do you look at? You know, how many board seats do you like to take? Um, how hands on are you? You know, it's 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 because it, it's really important. I think when you're bringing people into your circle as yeah. investors, it's what's the value add outside of just the check. Well, yes. There's plenty of VCs that can throw checks at you, you know, but there's strategic value that that person can offer, insight that that person can offer that can help you continue to build the company. Um, I think that's really important, you know, when when you're fundraising and when you're when you're talking to investors. But, um, yeah, I I would say you really, you know, for for founders raising right now, um, you know, focus on product, focus really on building good product. Um, You know, when you're when you're talking to VCs, it's not just institutional VCs. You know, there's syndicates, there's angel investors, there's family offices, just under there's venture debt as well. So, you know, we've had a couple of companies that have taken on some venture debt just because it's been hard for them to raise through institutional capital. Yeah. Um, and I would say too, you know, there is still there's a lot of dry powder out there. Deals are still getting done. You know, deals are still yeah. getting done. I will say though, I would caution founders, be patient during the diligence process because we've seen that become very, very extended. So a, a deal that could that you know would last year would maybe take three or four weeks to get done, yeah. it was taking closer to six to eight weeks now to get done. So, oh, okay. uh, I think patience is a virtue, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> um, so. that's true.
1: I mean, I like what you said also about you know it's important and it needs to be a good match, right? And and beyond just giving you a check, that kind of reminds me of Shark Tank, right? You know, it's like when Mark sure. Cuban said, "Look, I can give you." Uh, you know, uh, X amount of money, but then I can help you with distribution. I can help you with this and that. And I think that's, that's, that makes a difference, a huge difference uh, beyond just getting some uh, investment. So I would say this too,
2: Julian, I would say this too, you know, not every company needs to raise money. You know, I think, I think some founders feel the pressure of, of being in the, in the, in the VC game where they're just, they, they feel like they need to raise and they need to, I think there's this stat where you know it's something like eighty uh, percent of businesses sell between you know thirty to seventy million dollars or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so and that's that's life changing money for for a lot of a lot of founders. You, yeah. know, you don't have to be the next unicorn company. Um, you know, we have a lot of companies in our in our cohort now that will go through the program, yeah. and uh, they won't they won't raise. You know, they, they're hey we're we're pretty comfortable now. We bootstrapped the business. We're yeah. really heads down on on building our product. You know we really want to get to market we want to refine what our value proposition is we yeah. want to acquire more customers so um you know it, it, you also don't you don't have to raise money you can find a lot of ways to be capital efficient and to still build
1: yeah and i even write a kind of a i've heard some startups saying i would i would never take vc money that's kind of maybe because of some bad experiences and, and bad stories and and you know investors um you know becoming a problem for the for the entrepreneurs but there's also a, kind of a new trend it's not a big trend but i've seen some sub say look i don't want to take vc money i don't know if you've seen that too but uh I, I, it's interesting too um yeah. uh, but anyway um last question so what advice would you give to anyone uh, interested in starting a career in sports investments i mean you came from the world of sports and you, you transition into investment so i'm sure you're 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 almost one of the, the best position person to talk about that because you made that <laughs> tradition right yeah yeah my
2: my, yeah my trajectory into into you know being an investor in in in, in the sports landscape is is i would say maybe un, un non-traditional uh yeah. but yeah no I, look i i think um yeah, I think getting getting experience in the, in the space whether it's selling tickets you know whether it's working in digital marketing for you know professional sports team or a, a college uh, athletic program or with a brand or an agency I think really just yeah. understanding the landscape is is very very important you know the the, the sports investing world is a lot smaller maybe than, than people think and, you know uh, over the, the last three and a half years or so of doing this you know we I think we've really met Mostly all the the, the, uh, yeah. the power players here in sports venture capital. So uh, it, it's, it's a smaller world than you think. So it, it can be a tough nut, to, I think, to crack. Um, so, you know, my, my advice would be get some experience in sports, you know, whatever in whatever sort of capacity that is. You know, I think on the operating side is really helpful, especially if you want to become an investor uh, it's, it's so helpful to have operating experience. It's so helpful to get the experience of of building and being on the other side of that table. You know, for for me, um, you know, when I started at Techstars in 2019 with the sports program, I spent a lot of time working with our B2B companies that were selling products or services into sports teams and leagues, college athletic departments, you know, because I said, Hey, like, Look, I've worked on that end of the table. I understand how they look at new technology. I understand the politics of how decisions are made and how deals get done. And so, you know, maybe there's some insight that I can share with you on how to better uh, prepare you and how to better, uh, you know, phrase your, your pitch. And so uh, that was sort of a, a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, an opportunity that I I used where I could say, okay, what's my value proposition here? Yeah, um, you know, sort of breaking in. So I think there are a lot of different ways to do it, but um, yeah, I, I think you know, getting experience on the operating side, highly recommend if if you're a, a young person graduating from college and you know you want to be work in sports, venture capital, um, you know, get spend spend a couple of years working at a startup uh, or working you know for for a whoop uh, or an overtime yeah. or uh, or uh, you know FanDuel or shot tracker or there's a lot of companies in our portfolio it's a lot of our mentors have you know lead gaps and uh place there's just a ton of companies that are building in, in a variety of different categories throughout sports technology get some experience working and sort of understand you know because I think I think a lot of the best investors are former operators, you know, because they they understand how hard it is to build a business, what to look for in in successful founders. And so, you know, my advice is, uh, yeah, get some get some experience building and uh, that'll Uh, that'll that'll only
1: make you a better investor. I think you're right. Great advice. You know, like you said, I've seen people becoming investors, uh, for example, right, uh, Azaya from World Ventures. I mean, he literally he worked for a startup after he became uh, an NFL player, right? So he got their hands-on experience and, uh, and it wasn't easy for him to get in and become a VC. Um, so I think there's, like you said, uh, there's not a straight path to become uh, a person who works in sports investment. Uh, people come from very different backgrounds. So I, I agree with you. Uh, look, we, we're at the end of the interview. So uh, great conversations and great insights. So thank you for, for your time today. All right, my pleasure. Thanks so much, Julian. Thank you.